Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, and we most of all thank you for Jesus. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Father, we pray that you would be glorified here, you would be magnified here, that you would be high and lifted up in this place today, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. You know, i got to say something before we get started here. It was music that drew me to the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else here? Anybody? It wasn't preaching, and I know that that's what we're about to do here, but it was music that opened up my hard, hard heart. It was music that ministered to me. Just a quick testimony. 1996, Dallas, Texas. My mother was involved in Prestonwood Baptist Church. Dr. Jack Graham, he has PowerPoint Ministries. It's on the radio. Fabulous ministry, fabulous church. It's over 20,000 people. The choir had 500 people. And they do this incredible um, Christmas thing. You can't even, you can't call it a pageant. You can't call it a play. It's just massive, massive production that they put on. And my mother, who never gave up on me, I'm 35 at the time, she invited me to go to this Christmas festival, I think is what it was called. She gave me tickets. She had done this before. She'd given me these tickets, and she, I, was, I was so far out there. I was a mess. She'd give me things, and I'd just throw it in the trash. I'd throw it in the closet. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus, nothing. My thing that I always used to say was I wasn't going to be in the bars on Saturday night and then and living like a hypocrite and then going to church. That's what I said. I wasn't going to do it. So that, that Christmas, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit started to work in me, and I went. And there was a festival. Then this festival, there was this duet with this man, two men, and they were in this, it looked like a barn kind of scene, and it was about the story of Jesus. And there was one up on the roof, and there was one down below, and they couldn't see each other. And they were singing this most beautiful duet that you ever heard in your life, and I began to cry. This hard-hearted guy that wanted nothing to do with Jesus, I began to weep. And weep and weep and weep and weep uncontrollably. This was halfway through the thing. It was about a three-hour deal. I cried that whole night. I'm not going to tell you what I did afterwards because I went back to the old ways. But the Holy Spirit that night started working in me. That was December of 96. And in February of 1999, 97, three months later, is when I gave my life to the Lord. But it was music. It was music that opened my heart up for the gospel. Amen? Music's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, I want to I share something about this that's going on. My wife can testify to this. I struggled about doing PowerPoint and all that. I really, 
I think it takes away, this is my thoughts, that it takes away from the message a lot. We, we get so used to looking at a screen and what's next and what little clever thing. Pastor Eddie's the master at it, and he does a good job. I'm not saying anything negative. But I like to go and I like to listen to a speaker, and I like to get into my Bible. And so today, I prepared no PowerPoint. Sister Kim Feig can testify. She said, you sure? I said, one slide. I did have a slide for the name of the message, and I'll tell you that. But I didn't want to do a PowerPoint. Only God knew that this was going to be going on. So there is no PowerPoint. You didn't miss anything, okay? He already knew. If you have an old-fashioned one of these called a Bible or a device on your phone or whatever you have, you're going to need it today. You're going to need it. There's Bibles on the table. The Bible's on the table, which is the um, New Living Translation. I'm going to read from the NIV. We're going to go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, if you will. John chapter 15, a very familiar passage for a lot of you that have been in the church. And by the way, before we get started, did everybody get an index card? When you came in, you were supposed to get a card. You're going to need it. If you need an index card, we have others. Can you slip your hand? If you did not get an index card, you're going you're to need a card. There's some people back here. Here's some down here. Here, Megan, can I give these to you? Thank you. If you, if you need a card, just lift your hand. John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking. Verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. Not just a vine. This translation says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You already are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. Now, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He's speaking to us. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now we're going to go down to verse 16. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's the name of this message, is fruit that will last. You know, God, like myself, when he... As Pastor Steve said, when we understand that we're sinners, separated from God, 
And then somebody comes along and they tell us, share the gospel. They share how we can get connected to God, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to God other than through His Son, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. That's the only way to God, the only way. When you realize that and you repent, you turn, you cry out to God, God, forgive me, save me, as Pastor Steve said, then the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. That's the starting point for the Christian life. That's where everything starts. It's like a race with uh, runners or a track meet when, when, when the, the, the runners all line up and there's someone that fires a starting gun. Boom, the race begins. That's the beginning of the Christian life is when you say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. That's the beginning point. But God doesn't just save us. I like to say to sit on the bench for you coaches and people in here. I knew it when 1997, when he saved me, months after that, I knew that he had something for me in ministry. I had no clue what. That's 20 years ago. I had no clue what it was, but I knew he didn't call me to sit on the bench. The same is true for you. If you're a born-again believer, if you're saved, you're washed by the blood, the Holy Spirit is living in you, we're supposed to be doing something. If you will, look at verse 8. Verse 8 says that this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The NLT that's on the tables, it says true disciples. A true disciple of Jesus Christ is to bear, this says, much fruit. Not a little bit of fruit. It says much. And we could go into what that is, and, but it's much. We're supposed to be doing something, not just saved, okay, God, I'm in the kingdom, and everything's good. That's just the starting point. That's the beginning. Just like in a race, the runners, they don't just fire off the starting gun and then they lay down and quit. They take off and they run and they run and they run. That's the same in the Christian life. The same for us. So you say, how do we do it? How do we, how do we bear much fruit and what kind of fruit are we talking about? If you will, look at verse 4. Verse 4, now this is Jesus talking. He's talking to us today. He says, to remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. If you remain in the vine, neither can, if you, I'm sorry, it must remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We cannot bear the kind of fruit that Jesus is talking about here unless we're connected to Jesus. Got it? There's no way. No way can we bear fruit that's going to last or much fruit without being connected to the vine. The vine is Jesus Christ. You can try, you can try, you can try. I tried it for 35 years. I tried it my way, and it didn't work. And I, the fruit that I bared, it's not the kind of fruit that we're going to talk about today, I promise you. The only way that you can bear spiritual fruit that we're going to discuss here is you have got to be connected to Jesus Christ. There is no other way. In fact, in verse 5, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Anybody tried it that way? Tried it on your own? Am I the only one? You can do nothing. So everything starts. The race, the gun goes off. You're born again. And then this thing, this Christian life takes off. This is where you have to develop and a relationship with Jesus Christ is first and foremost in your life. This remaining and this abiding, I'm not sure if that's the, the word used in here, but one couple of the translations that talk about abiding and being connected. We're connected to Jesus Christ. The way we're connected to Jesus Christ is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't just happen. You have to cultivate it. You have to work at it. You have to spend energy, effort, time. It's like a marriage. We have a a new friend here that just got married a couple weeks ago. She stood up before someone and said, I do, for better, for worse, and we go through this. It'd be like us coming and saying, Jesus, save us, and then we just quit. The relationship, it takes time. It takes work. It takes energy. If, if my wife and I, we were married uh, coming up 20 years ago, if I was just to say I do and then I quit investing time, we didn't have dates. We had no intimacy. If we just went and just worked and went our separate ways, we probably wouldn't be here today. It'd be done and over with. It's the same thing with Jesus Christ. You say, God, forgive me. And then you understand that you're a sinner. When you really understand what he's done for you, as Pastor Steve was saying, you want to spend time with him. Amen? You want to praise him. You want to get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, for the night's rest. Thank you, God, for watching over my family. Thank you, Lord, for the new life you've given me in Christ. It ought to make you want to do this. You know, let me just say something. You know, a lot of people... I remember the, I had three, three, three men, 97, I get saved, I said, uh, 35 years in the world, I had three men that really poured their lives into my life. And this first person, he'd, he'd tell me, we were, we were talking, I was, I was saved for three, three or four months. I had no clue really what I was doing. I knew I needed Jesus. I knew I was a sinner. You didn't have to convince me of that. I knew I wanted salvation. I wanted a whole new life. I was all about a new life. But I remember him saying that you need to fall in love with Jesus. This was this, this pastor. In fact, he's the pastor that married my wife and I. He said, you need to fall in love with Jesus. I'm thinking, man, I don't, can't see Jesus. I can't touch Jesus. I can see my wife. I can touch. But, but how do you do it? Maybe some of you today think, how, how do you do it? It takes time. You get into the Word. You read. You pray. For me, it was in Dallas at my, my parents' house. I, I was such a mess. I asked my parents at the age of 36, could I move back in? I said, I need some accountability in my life. I, mean, I was a mess. But I was serious about God. I said, I need, some, I need some accountability. And for me, it was right after that. And I didn't know about falling in love with God, but all of a sudden, I, I started developing this thirst for God. I guess it was the Holy Spirit. They had a pool out back in Dallas. The mornings in Dallas are they're beautiful. The sun's bright. It's hot there. There's no clouds in the sky in the summer. I mean, it's hot. you got to get up early to get outside. And I'd go out by this pool, just me and God. Wasn't this Bible. 
I'd go out by the pool. They had these wind chimes that were out there, and they're blowing in the wind. There's always a south wind in Texas blowing. It was glorious out there. The pool, you could hear the pump and the water's churning. The chimes are going. Just me and God. I don't, didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I started, God, you help me. You show me. I start praying. Lord, I, I just start sharing my heart, sharing my struggles, sharing my weaknesses. The same as you would with a spouse, the same as you would with anybody else. A relationship with Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is just like a relationship with anybody else. It's personal and it's real. If you will look at verse 16. 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go. You might go. Now sit. You got to go. You might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I believe this passage, you know, there's the fruit of the Spirit Galatians 5, and 23, love, joy, peace, patience. That's definitely fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's living in us. We should be bearing this kind of fruit. That should be evidence in our lives that we are followers of Jesus Christ. But I believe there's more to it than that. I believe the fruit that's going to last that this talking, is talking about is the souls of men, women, and children. The Word of God's going to last forever, and the only other thing are souls of men, women, and children. It's going to last forever. All the stuff that we're worried about, the houses, the cars, the clothes, everything else in this world is going to pass away. It's going to be done and gone. You've never been to a funeral and seen somebody packing up a U-Haul behind the casket. You've never seen it. You've never seen it. You never will. All that stuff doesn't matter. But what does matter is what we did here on this earth. Pastor Eddie talked about legacies not long ago. As true disciples of Jesus Christ, that's what verse uh, four, or, I'm sorry, verse eight says. A true follower of Jesus Christ is to bear fruit. The fruit that we are to bear is fruit that will last, and that is souls of men, women, and children. Nothing else. It's good to have church. We want to have church. We want to do church. We've got our families. We've got work. We've got all kinds of responsibilities. But the thing that's going to last, fruit that's going to last, are souls of people, period. Souls of men, women, and children. I believe with all of my heart, and I know Pastor Steve, and I've, he's, he's, um, he's a great encouragement to me as he is to many of you. This whole revive Sullivan thing that God's led him to do and put together, we were part of it, and I'm telling you, we were caught up in it. We, we had a wonderful time. My kids were there Saturday, and we were there Sunday, and I mean, we didn't want it to end. We, we, how many says, I don't want that kind of service at the high school? It was a wonderful, wonderful time. All of us coming together and worshiping God. There was no clocks. There was no second or third service. We just could go and worship God. I don't know about you, but I want to stay in that kind of environment all day. I don't want to come out of it. I don't want to uh, uh, come out of there. The church today is losing ground to the culture. 
The big C. Not, not, not Crossroads Community Church. The church, big C today, we're losing significant ground to the world. Do you guys, everybody bear witness with that? I, I, I mean, honestly, we don't watch the news in our house. I just, it, we don't do it. It's too depressing. We don't do it. But I'm on Facebook, which sometimes I feel like I need to put it off so when something like, you know, in Charlottesville happens or uh, years back, I remember in Savannah, Georgia, where there was a Bible study, you know, and somebody went in there in a church of all places and shot all these people. You know, we're losing ground. We're, we're using, I see young people here. You know, Pastor Chris up, up, up on the third floor, I've got, I don't know, multiple, six children up there today, I guess, the seventh one's here. Pastor Chris does an awesome job up there. Awesome. She's one of the best leaders of, of children we've seen. She does, she got a heart for these children. She loves them. They're memorizing Scripture. They're doing wonderful, wonderful things. But the truth of the matter is so many churches, they do a great job there, but then after there, things start falling apart. In fact, I was talking to somebody today about they go from there and we start losing these kids. It's not because of anybody's fault, but we do. We lose them. That's what happened to me. I was in church as a youngster, but 12, 13, and things of the world start looking good. Start looking Good. I believe with all my heart that if the church would get serious about what we're talking about here, bearing fruit that lasts, of investing and discipling, leading people to Christ, winning souls for Jesus, and then helping them to grow, we wouldn't be losing things the way we're losing them today. Can I get an amen to that? I believe it with all my heart. In, in two services here, normally there's 300 and some people. You think about it. If every single one of us in here today were to lead one person to Christ, right now, October 22nd, 2017, to October 22nd, 2018, one person to Christ, each of us, and then help that person grow up in the Lord. Help them. Think about what this, not just this place, but think about our homes and the families and the communities, what it would look, look like. You're talking about Revive Sullivan. This place wouldn't hold all the people in here. This town would just be a, a major buzz. And then those people that you helped a year, and they turn around and do the same thing. That's what this is talking about. Fruit that will last. That's our assignment Guys, that's our assignment. We're to bear fruit that lasts. Now, I know when you start mentioning leading people to Christ and investing in people, I know a lot of people get real tight, and they start getting real nervous and say, well, I can't do that, or I don't talk that well, or, or I'm not gifted that way, or that's the pastor's job. You know, somebody else can, can do that. That's not what this is talking about. This is us. A true disciple is you and I. If we're true disciples of Jesus Christ, we're to be bearing fruit. Everybody got that? There's no two ways around it. It's not just coming to church. It's not just putting money in the plate. All that stuff's good. It's not just singing a song. It's not just preaching a sermon either. You need to be living it. You need to walk the walk, in other words. We need to be telling people about Jesus and then helping them grow. Everybody in this room has someone, if not more, 
people in your sphere of influence and your surroundings that don't know Jesus. We all do. I have them in my family. I have tons of them in my family. I have people up and down my street. We live in a real transient uh, um, neighborhood in, in South Terre Haute. It's full of du- it's duplexes. So it's people in and out, college people. And last year, we were the ones moving in. This summer, we watch everybody else come in. There were seven duplexes on our street that opened up. And we're praying for all of them. We're praying, especially the ones right next door to us. And by the way, they're here today, and I'm so thankful my neighbors have come from South Terre Haute here today. Amen? They're they're here. But we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, especially the people that we were going to share with with seven children. God put some people in that love children, and, and, and he's far exceeded those prayers. But a lot of the people, we've been to the doors, we've knocked to the doors, we didn't just sit and close our blinds, we, every single one of them. We helped our neighbors move in, we've helped, when the U-Haul comes up, I call the crew. I got a moving crew right in my own house. And I say, come on guys, let's go. <laughs> we put on our dirty shoes and our dusty stuff and we go. And we help them move in. But we try to find out where they are spiritually. We talk about, about these kind of things. All of us, have people like that in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our families, most of all. And we need to reach those people for Jesus Christ. Amen? That is our responsibility. I want to share this before we go on to kind of the the last point. I mentioned that there was three people who invested in my life. The first one I told you, he told me, you need to fall in love with Jesus and be honest with you, I didn't know what love was like. I didn't know what love was like. I didn't know how to love before Christ. I had no clue. To me, love was something that we won't even talk about here. The second person came along. He's not here today. He's a wonderful brother, and he actually showed me. He didn't tell me. He showed me what love was. He showed me. This brother, his name's Mike Fetchner. He's got a wonderful ministry called Bridge Builders in Dallas. And what their ministry was was taking the wealth from the suburban Dallas into the inner cities and connecting, building bridges from suburbs to inner city. He gave me my first job in the ministry. Had no clue what I was doing. But this brother, he was, he was about 6'1", 6'2". He's very successful in business. He had a security alarm system, and God got a hold of his heart. He sold everything for $2 million and gave it up and went to serve the Lord. And this man, now, I have been a mess, like I said. I'll never forget this brother. The first time I met him, he came up, and he gave me this big, huge hug. And he said, I don't care what you've done, but I love you. I don't care what you've done in your life, but I want you to know that I love you. He showed me. He didn't tell me. He showed me what Christ-like love was. Then there's this third person that came along. He was a lay person. The first two were pastors, associate pastors. This third person that came along really is the one that, that walked with me in this new life. He walked with me. He helped me through just a host of things. 35 years, I had so many tapes and I had so much mess in my mind and so much habits and things that I needed some serious help. And this man walked with me. 
There was three of us. Two, two. I was living with a, a, a young man before my wife and I got married. Both of us were new Christians. And this, this brother, Chris Peterson's his name. In fact, I'm one of my child's, Caleb, his middle name is Christopher after this person. He took these two guys, Craig Hutto, Kerry Michael, under his wings. He saw something in this, in us, that he felt like he could invest in. And on Monday nights, we started just getting together for kind of prayer and share, as we call it in Kairos or Emmaus type of things. And we just started talking about life and where you at and praying together, just loving us, just kind of, he met us right where we were. And then that little group of three of us began to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Before you know it, we had a full men's group meeting in our home on Monday nights. And we called ourselves the Iron Men, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. There were hungry men just like us that wanted to get serious with God. And we'd meet on Monday nights and we'd get together and we'd worship and we'd pray and we were memorizing Scripture and... We were growing, and people were coming, and I mean, God was just blessing us. In fact, one guy said, what are we doing, starting a church here? I mean, because we were having church on, on Monday nights. You've got to remember, we were all part of this 20,000 church. It was hard to get connected, but we were doing it in, in this house that we lived in. Monday, we would meet the group of us, I think at 7 o'clock, and we'd finish about 9 after that, this person would take time with this new Christian, myself. Sometimes we'd sit out in the car. Sometimes, because the, the, the other guys would linger, sometimes we'd take a walk. And he began to invest in me and help me right where I was. We didn't get into the world. We didn't do a bunch of things. We didn't go through all the Romans road and how to leave. But he met me right where I was. You know, people, people are out here today are in the same boat. We got to meet them right where they are, guys. There's people here. There's people that are lost in our, in our sphere of influence, but it's also people that need to grow, and they need people to come alongside them and help them. You don't have to have a degree from some seminary. You don't have to have a certain title to be a pastor or somebody. You just help somebody. Ladies with ladies and men with men. It could be for coffee. I've got a brother in Terre Haute that, that, that knew me before Christ, and now that we've moved back together, we get together at 6.30 on Saturday mornings at Chick-fil-A. We've been doing it for over a year. We get together, and we talk about life. We share with one another. We pray for each other, and that has taken different. We've had, we've had, we've had men get saved in Chick-fil-A up there. We've, God's brought different people, and that's kind of taken on different dynamics. But it, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a rocket. It, it's, not a, it's not rocket science. It's just loving somebody, meeting people right where they are. The last thing I want to point out is this. Sister Stacy, can you come please and help us? Verse 6, if you still got your Bibles or you might have to refresh your electronic device because that was, that was long-winded. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me. Now remember, this is Jesus talking. You are like a branch that's thrown away. And withers, such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. 
Folks, that is sobering. That ought to scare the bejeebers out of you, if I could say that. Thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 5, verse 4 says to remain in me, and you're supposed to, to bear all this fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And it says here in verse 6 that here's the consequences. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away, picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. Matthew 13 says that place in fire, the Bible, when the Bible talks about fire, there's two things. One, there's the fire of the Holy Spirit that we were singing about, and there's another fire that's never going to go out. Matthew 13 says it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That place is called hell. There's no two ways about it, two ways around it, guys. If we're not making fruit for Jesus, if we're not living the life, being a true disciple, that's the consequences. It's serious business. Pastor Eddie, he's, he's been up here. I won't, the last couple of weeks, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, he, he's Jeremiah the weeping prophet because he's up here weeping and weeping for you guys. He wants to see everybody in here with a relationship with Jesus Christ and going to the place that your leader's going. That's his desire. You were given an index card today. And if you have those cards, take them out. And I want to tell you what we're going to do with this. This may be kind of Kairos, Emmaus combined kind of thing. This is the application. It's not just to come and my wife and I say to tickle your ears. We, I'm hoping this is hitting much more than ears. I'm hoping we're hitting your heart. On this card... I want you to put one name, one person that you can influence, that you can lead to Christ, and then help that person grow. One name. If you have children in your home, if you have a spouse that's not walking with Jesus, that doesn't have that relationship, that's your responsibility. You need to put their name on here, somebody's name on here. Somebody that you can personally influence. Oh, could be a co-worker. Could be somebody in your neighborhood. Somebody that you personally can go to. Share the gospel with share. Just tell them. You don't have to even know what the, you don't have to know the verse. Just tell them how you found Jesus. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. And then help them to grow. If they need a Bible, get them a Bible. We have people in, 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 in our neighborhood that we were talking about. And God's just put in our lives in the last few months. Listen, our fo guys, our family, nobody's busier than my family. I'm telling you right now. We have nine people. Seven young, young children. We are busy, busy, busy. We're doing basketball. We're doing baseball. We do, we do this stuff too. But Christ is first in our family. Christ is first. We do this stuff. It's important. For, it's good. But God's put people in our lives that are new Christians. He's put people in our lives that aren't Christians. We've got neighbors that I've invited to Crossroads Community Church, and they're not coming, but they say, I need to. We've invited them. We are starting a Bible study in our home November 5th on Sunday nights for these people. We have some people that live on our street that's, just, that's moved in. They're from another religion. 
and they want to come. All of us have people that we can influence. God's put certain people with you in your workplace and in your environment, in your home. If you would write the name of, of one person, we could fill it up. A lot of us could fill it up. One person that you can influence for Christ and then help them to grow. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that personal relationship like we talked about with a husband and wife, you need to put your name on this card. Write your name on this card. It's okay. Put your name on there. Relationship with Jesus Christ is, is the beginning. The Christian life is like the stairs out here. There comes a time and a place and you say, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus. That's the beginning. That's like getting on the first step of the stairway. That's the beginning. And as you grow and you grow and you climb the stairs. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today you need to make that step and say, I need a Savior. And then I promise you there's people in here that will help you grow and help walk with you. So we're going to give you a couple minutes. The Holy Spirit's here. Just take a couple minutes. Let Him direct you. and You write a name, one name on these cards that you can influence for Christ. Would anybody be willing to say, I'm the one, I'm the one that needs Christ. Anybody here today say, my name needs to be on that card. Anybody just, anybody here say, I'm the one, I need that relationship. How can I tell somebody else about somebody I don't even know? Anybody here? Say, I'm the one. Will you just raise your hands? Say, I need Jesus. There's one. Anybody say, I'm the one. I need Jesus. I need that relationship that you're talking about. I don't have that relationship. Anybody? I'm not going to embarrass you. Father, I pray for my friend that lifted his hand. I love this man. I know you love him even more. I'm sure there's others, and maybe they didn't want to lift their hands. I pray for all the people here today. that don't have the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
that's not bearing fruit that will last. I pray for each and every one of them. I pray, God, that you'd send someone in their lives and to help them, to tell them about you, and then to help them grow. Lord, the names that are on these cards that the others have written, Lord, we pray for those names now. We pray for each and every person. We pray for divine appointments, Lord. We pray for boldness, Lord. We pray for power, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you give us the words to say, especially those in our families, Lord. Those can be the toughest. These names that are on these cards, I pray you open up the hearts of the names on the cards, Lord. We pray for souls to be saved, Lord, and lives to be changed for you, Lord. Father, help us to be intentional about bearing fruit that lasts, Lord. You're a mighty God. You're a wonderful Savior. And you're sure mighty to save, Lord. You're sure mighty to save. You saved a wretch like me. You can save anybody, God. Father, we pray you move, O oh Lord, in these hearts. Move in us, Lord. Help us to be true disciples of yours. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.